Hey, Sound Opinions listeners, if you support us on Patreon, you get to listen to our podcast ad-free on Patreon. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we're doing a classic album dissection of common socially conscious hip-hop masterpiece like Water for Chocolate. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We'll revisit an interview we did with Common back in 2000 around this album's release. Plus, we'll talk about the production and tracks in detail. Let's jump in. You know, before we begin, Greg, why don't we talk a little bit about why we wanted to do a classic album dissection of this record. We've been covering Common since the beginning of his career, Jim. Absolutely. Um, and there are various signpost albums where you can say there was a, 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 you know, a big leap in his ambition mm-hmm. and his ability to pull off those ambitions. And I think this was one of those records where everybody really started to pay attention to this guy. There have been tracks here and there. The albums up to then have been pretty good. This album put him on sort of a, a bigger international radar. No, and yeah. there's been no turning back since then, really. And, and, you know, the work he'd done and everything he stood for is suddenly inspiring these other great artists, like members of The Roots right. and D'Angelo and Macy Gray. I mean, you know, Common, Common has a rare kind of charisma. It's, he walks into a room and it's just right. like, wow. It, well, exactly. And, I, you know, we did, a, we did a show, basically an entire show devoted to the great producer, the late great producer Jay Dilla yeah. uh, a few months ago. And, you know, Common connecting those worlds, Jay Dilla's world in Detroit with what was going on in Chicago, you know, yeah. soon to be Kanye West, soon to be Lupe Fiasco, with the Soul Aquarians and the Philly thing with the Roots and Questlove. Mm-hmm. Common's kind of the common denominator, you know, with, with all of those uh, scenes. No kidding. Without any further ado, let's dive into Like Water for Chocolate. All right, so who is common, Mr. Cott? Lonnie Rashid Lynn, born in 1972. You know, he's an icon today. He's an American rapper. He's an actor. Probably better known uh, to many people as an actor than anything else, although he's never stopped making albums. And uh, we've argued, we've reviewed them all, uh, that he mm-hmm. is. they've all been very good. Never a drop-off. Born in Chicago, uh, his mom was a principal at John Hope College Prep High School. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an educator, right? Just like somebody he would influence enormously. Kanye West's mom was an educator. Right. Dad was a former uh, semi-pro basketball player turned youth counselor. They divorced, and uh, Dad moved to Denver, Colorado, but he was still always a presence in Common's life. Got him a job at one point, I think, as an usher (laughs) for Mm -hmm. the uh, Chicago Bulls, Uh, but raised by his mom in Calumet Heights. He starts rapping when he's in high school, Luther High School on the south side. And with two of his friends, he forms a group, CDR. They open for the likes of NWA and Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. And I think young uh, Lonnie says, when I uh, go out on my own, I'm not going to sound like either of those. 
<laughs> you know, from the beginning, one can argue, and this has long been the knock on Common, that he is a backpacker, a granola eater, <laughs> a hippie, all because he's socially conscious. I, I think as we talk about uh, uh, this album, like Water for Chocolate, and, and indeed his career, uh, there's always been more to him than meets the eye. He's a great storyteller. Story arcs often that start on one album and continue on others, him playing characters in the great uh, rock and roll tradition of David Bowie or Peter Gabriel, mm -hmm. you know, portraying an assassin or, or a killer. You know, sometimes Common uh, has played the gangster, but his heart is with socially conscious rap, and he is a, a proud feminist, the father of a daughter, a bit of a uh, heartthrob. He's had an impressive <laughs> list of loves in his life. I think from the beginning, when he's Common Sense, 1992, his first solo album, three albums early on that are indie records, Can I Borrow a Dollar, Resurrection in 94, One Day It'll All Make Sense, and then he signs to a major label. Like Water for Chocolate is his first for the majors, MCA. You know, can I borrow a dollar? You hear a young rapper who's not sure where he fits in, right? He's easy, easy like Sunday morning. I can get nervous, jump when I'm yawning. Ah, coming, coming with the, oh, excuse me, Elizabeth. This is a big one, I mean a do it, do it, do Gangster rap is dominating uh, on the East Coast and on the West Coast, eventually in Hotlanta. Mm -hmm. um, Chicago, where does Chicago fit in? House music. Yeah, house music and gospel and mm -hmm. the blues. We have this rich tradition. I will argue that it's with Resurrection, album number two, and the single, I Used to Love Her, H-E-R, that he finds his voice. I used to love her. I used to love her. It is a freaking masterpiece. What is H-E-R? He is talking about a woman who loses her way in the world uh, and is lured by loose sex, by drugs, by the fast and loose image that the media consistently produces. I might have failed to mention that this chick was creative. Once the man got to her, he altered a native. So that if she got an image and a gimmick, then she can make money. And she did it like a dummy. Now I see her in commercials. She's universal. She used to only swing it with the inner city circle. Now she be in the birds looking rocking, dressing hip. And also dumps it when she comes to the city talking about. But he's also talking about hip hop. Mm -hmm. H E R yeah. is hip hop in its essence is real is what Common says. That's what H-E-R stands for. Mm -hmm. He is talking about uh, what he loved about this fantastic black art form, where it came from, gospel and blues and the Afrocentric tradition, Afrofuturism, the envisioning of an ideal world where there is no racism. All of that's in there. It got him in a major feud with a West Coast crew. You know, how dare you tell me what real hip-hop is, Mr. Lin? And, uh, you know, Common can hold his own because his secret superpower, his strength is he is, I think, I've seen Eminem freestyle. Common's the best. 
Common is the best freestyle rapper or one of the best top three that I've ever heard. You know, we've yeah. had him in, in other interviews where we've thrown out a topic, <laughs> you know, you know, can you rap about the phone book? And, you know, he takes all of five seconds to give us uh, 10 lines of rhyme right. that are exquisite about the freaking phone book. He saw me once reviewing him at a show. Uh, I was in the balcony of the House of Blues. He goes, hey, y'all, you got to listen to this. The Sun and the Times, Jim Deere got his. And he points <laughs> me out, which led this young, annoying rapper to come up and start pulling on my shoulders. Yo, man, yo, man. Yo, man, common all right, but I'm coming up. You got to listen to me. That's when I got my first Kanye West mm -hmm. mixtape. You rhyme anything with Dear Goddess, you're a genius. <laughs> he signs to MCA and he leaves Chicago, right? He never really leaves. He comes back here all the time. He has family. Uh, Chicago is 100% part of his ethos, but he says it's time for me to mix it up. After these three indie albums and this one major hit with I Used to Love Her, One Day It'll All Make Sense is starting to get him his props, album mm. number three, but he wants to do something for album number four that is different, and he wants to do it in a new locale, and he moves out east, based in New York, but spending a lot of time in yeah. Illinois. Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this whole neo-soul movement was starting to emerge uh, right around that time. It, a lot of people marked the day when D'Angelo put out his first album, Brown Sugar, in 1995. Yeah. Suddenly things changed. You know, hip-hop and R&B were stagnating in producer-driven formula. That was at least the idea. I mean, I used to love her. Common's sort of talking about the fact that rap's lost its way. Yeah. It, it has become, you know, kind of cliché. And D'Angelo kind of said, no, we can figure out a way to move the genres forward, music forward, black music forward. And yeah. Brown Sugar was the start of it. Brown Sugar, babe, I guess high up your love, I don't know how to be. That was almost like a... A blueprint or a you know a starting point for what he really wanted to get into. In 1997, D'Angelo begins working on the follow-up. I mean, Brown Sugar had sold a million copies, but D'Angelo still felt it was a little too he hadn't formulaic. Got, hadn't got where he wanted to be. So we hook up with Philadelphia, Philadelphia's finest roots drummer Amir Questlove. Thompson. Yeah. The whole concept of the Soul Quarians is born, this collective of artists, a loose jam-oriented approach to recording. In some ways, you know, if, if you go back for antecedents, they, they are referencing music from the past. You know, Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, Sly Stone, Bob Marley, George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. One of the one of the templates too was Jimi Hendrix. The way he recorded the Electric Ladyland record. Mm -hmm. Come on into the studio. Let's let's do something. Yeah. Let's figure it out as we're going along. Let's we'll worry fly. about where the track right. runs up and whose track it is, whose album, what it is. Right after the fact. Right. Correct. Let's just make music now. And and you know when I talked to Amir about that period and D'Angelo as well, I interviewed him after the rec record was made. They would come in and play records for each other. Yeah. They would just sort of sit and muse about. This, wow, this really turns me on. Or they played an old video. Questlove was an amazing collector of stuff. So that, you know, something was being born in that vibe around the Soulquarians collective. And when I say soul collective, I'm talking about artists like Erica Badu, Lauren Hill, The Roots, Gangstar, Q-Tip and A Tribe Called Quest, Maxwell, Macy, Macy Gray. Gray. They weren't necessarily members, but they were all part of the vibe that was going uh, through there. And there, there was a, a studio band associated with, you know, great mm -hmm. musicians like James Boyser, uh, who were 
key to the sound. Pino Palladino. Pino Palladino, whom we interviewed, uh, you know, comes in and starts playing bass. And he said, kind of changed his whole thinking about what the bass could do and, and what role it could play in the music making. So the Roots make their landmark record, Things Fall Apart, in 1999, as part of this ongoing Soul Quarian session in Electric Lady Studios, yeah. the studio that Hendrix was building uh, when he died. You know, I was in a sub-basement yeah. on 8th Street right. in Manhattan. I passed it every day on my way to school at NYU. Right. It was a little difficult to work there because it was dank and dark and underground, and the subway train was under the studio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes the subway is on the records. Right, <laughs> right. So so Voodoo comes out, the, the record that the Soul Quarians have been working on for two, three years comes out in 2000 and, and blows up everything. It's yeah. like, this is a, a new, one of the landmark records, uh, kind of a signpost of the 21st century. The neo-soul movement uh, comes into uh, its glory, a dense, gritty, late-night vibe, you know, very loose and at the same time uh, song-oriented. It was the absolute apex of, of what they were a- attempting to achieve. And Common was a kindred spirit. You know, he was intrigued by what was going on. Common, as we soon found out, was uh, an experimenter. He wanted, oh, yeah. to, he wanted to, to screw around with the formula. And what Common was doing ends up influencing a whole lot of other musicians down For the road. Sure. We're going to talk about that in a minute. When we come back, we'll revisit our interview from deep in the archives, Common, chatting with us in 2000. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. And we're back. This week, we're doing a classic album dissection of Common's 2000 album, Like Water for Chocolate. Now, we've got a special treat for listeners. This is an interview we did with Common when the album came out more than 20 years ago. We started off by asking him about what it's like to collaborate with his friends, the Soulquarians. God, your friends are all over this album, and it's like amazing. I mean, you were able to call on Erica Badu yeah. and and D'Angelo, and the Roots produced the record. You know, how'd you get props from these people? They're like all your fans. Right. Well, it's like we all from the same wound of music. Honestly, like we all have the same destination and same goals in music, and that's to put out good music. Throughout our careers, we've cross paths and each one of us has adored each other musically so it was natural for us to work together Mm. and natural for us to help each other out it's like what i feel right now is for the music to have its its balance and for us to progress it has to be a movement of us moving collectively you know like where erica badu who has more sales than a common sense can appear on a common sense album and in turn help bring more more of an audience to Common Sense. And you appeared on that Roots album, yeah, and Lauren Hill's worked with you in the Lauren past. Lauren Hill, yeah. So it's, it's, f- it's really encouraging to hear you use the word movement, where they were calling it natural R&B, what is kind of an exciting return to live performance as well, because that's an integral part of what you do. You have a band yeah. often when you play. Yeah. I perform with a band called A Black Girl Named Becky. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which there is no such thing. Right, there? exactly. Ain't no black so, girl's name Becky. Yeah. Right, so like that was the whole significance of the, of the name of the band. I just utilize the band, and I think within music, what we're trying to do is show appreciation for musicianship and show that, you know, the elements of music we should utilize because it's a gift for people to be able to play instruments and put it all together and make 
come together under one spirit is important. Yeah. You know, so. You've taken some courageous stands against the messages. Yeah. You, know, you don't diss women. You, you don't, you, you know, you, you don't uh, glorify senseless violence. Right. And the new album, it has some really complex skits and some songs built around those issues. Yeah, You're definitely. asking people to think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because I feel in music that we have been given this platform to speak to a lot of people and... In music, I, I want people to think. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's about entertaining and educating. And if this music can be used to make people think and uplift people and be a healing mechanism, then I would love, that's what I love to try to do with it. What I love about this movement, Common, is the way you guys are sort of playing on each other's records. There's a crossover between the R&B guys and the hip-hop guys. Questlove uh, of The Roots you know, produced your record. He was a big factor in the D'Angelo record, yeah. the drummer. Yeah. Um, Erica Badu floating around in there. Uh, you've got most deaf, you know, appearing on people's records. Right. There's this great crossover between live instrumentation of the R&B world and the sort of the grit and the, and the production values of the hip hop world and the integrating those two. Do you see sort of, uh, you know, do the R&B and hip hop worlds, did you always see those coming together because there's a tendency to divide those worlds yeah. uh, especially in the 80s there was like a, a, a line drawn between those two worlds and I see them coming back together again in the style of music you guys are doing yeah definitely um, like you said in the early well later 80s it was like the the, the thing was like forget the R&B stuff you know I'm not R&B so it was like going against R&B but I think we gradually grew to understand that um, R&B was also helping us get out to a larger audience because like I remember, I think the first collaboration I heard was Jody Watley and Rakim do a song mm. called Friends. And, you know, Rakim was, is one of the most respected hip-hop artists. And for us to see him doing an R&B song, it just made yeah. a lot of stuff valid. Yeah. And then it was like, hey, this is the platform to get us hip-hop artists out to the world. Right. And then as hip-hop grew bigger, the R&B artists wanted to, to get <laughs> to the hip-hop crowd. We saw right. a lot of that, a right. lot of people incorporating right. rapping. Right, so... So honestly, I mean, our ties is like about music. Yeah, it's like from D'Angelo to Most Def, it's about just making good music. When D'Angelo got number came out number one, when The Roots got a Grammy, when yeah. Most Def went gold, I mean, all those are steps steps forward for our movement. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's like a statement saying that yo people do want to hear some progressive music. You know, they don't just want to hear thong song. In the spirit of God. Asada Shakur, who was uh, convicted of shooting a Jersey cop in yes. 1973. She was a Black Panther, yeah. one of the leaders of the Jersey movement, uh, sentenced to prison. Many people said she was framed. Yeah. Escaped from prison. Yeah. Escaped from prison Escaped in Jersey. From, Made um, it down to Cuba, where you went to visit her. Yeah. Um, it was a like unusual experience and a beautiful experience. Like I read an autobiography and just got into a whole story, and it was inspiring. So I decided I had to go meet her. Yeah. And like, I, I can honestly say that that trip was like the the seed for this album. Mm. Like not just only meeting her, but just being in Cuba, seeing like 
people that were really fighting for what they believed in and living for what they believed in and living for equality and just people that love music for the love of music. And also realizing that the way Americans uh, sometimes talk about Cuba is it's, not necessarily not, the truth. It's not <laughs> the truth all the time, exactly. You dealt with this problem uh, on a track called Payback is a Grandmother, and you and I yeah. were talking about this when we did an interview for the paper, which is, is this kind of comical uh, skit, you know, in, in the tradition of a lot of, like, what started with uh, NWA, where you're kind of seeking vengeance for a guy who mugged your grandma, right. you know, but at the same, I mean, and it doesn't end happily, right. you know, you, you, you start to go down this violent path, and uh, you, you suffer for it. Right, in, in the exactly. Four in the morning, my phone ringing, I'm thinking, who the f*** sits on the other line screaming, told them get down, but they was breathing hard, it was my grandmother telling me that she had been robbed, I told her, ho, ho. Tight, tight. I'd be right over freezing, but this situation made the night colder. Knew this was the night that she played poker with some friends in a club at the boat getting bugged. Said she seen these thugs on the boat for a while. Not gambling, but every now and then they smile. Then blah, they up max and told everybody put your in the bag. Made people strip naked quicker than a loop racket. Had the place took in a minute. That's some sex. I believe, you know, within my music, I try to put balance. So I like doing some comical things, some raw things, showing the different sides of common sense and that you can be a person that's, that's doing good, but I might curse sometimes, you know, yeah. and I might have a beer and, you know, I... There's some sex and drugs and rock sex, and roll on right, this record. Right, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so I, I ain't squeaky clean. And, um, but Questlove executive produced the album and the Soul Quarians, which is Questlove, um, James Poyser, who played on the Lauryn Hill, who played on Lauryn Hill's album in retrospect for life. Erica Badu's material, mm -hmm. along with um, JD and D'Angelo, all formed the Soul Aquarians. Mm -hmm. They produced the album along with Premier and a black girl named Becky. Right. Now, when you work with your band, how do you? Uh, <laughs> that's just such the greatest band name ever. When you work with a black girl named Becky, how do you how do you communicate with um, them? I mean, are, is it just like because uh, I, I think that a lot of the rock audiences still don't understand what rappers do. Right. But but I mean you're essentially filling the vol role of a lead vocalist, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lead vocalist and a band leader cuz I tell them, look, I want the music to drop here. I yeah. want I want the bass to come out here. I want, you know, I want you to hit the snare a right. couple times right here. So, you know, I'm I'm serving as a band leader, lead vocalist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you're the I'm James a, Brown. I'm the James Brown. <laughs> I'm the James Brown. <laughs> exactly. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, growing up in Chicago and and and, and becoming a hip hop artist, Common, because you didn't have a whole lot of local role models yeah. when you were coming up, and growing up in the '80s here. Um, you know, there was not. This was not a hip hop town. No, it Third largest city in the United States at the time. L.A. New York hip hop all all the time, 24 hour, 24 seven. Chicago didn't want to have anything to do with hip hop. It was kind of the house considered a house town primarily. Yeah. Um, and where did you fit in with that? Where where were you coming from growing up uh, and, and ended up becoming a rap artist? Well, um, I I think I always loved music and though I was in sports too a lot, I um got introduced to hip hop through the breakdancing aspect of it. Mm. And then like also through a little bit of hearing some rap songs that came from New York, such as Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill Gang, which was like came out in 79. As I started hearing hearing more and more hip hop coming from the New York side, I noticed that it was it was some hip hop artists out here. It wasn't on a large scale, but there were some hip hop artists out here. And I felt that, you know, I just had to develop my hip hop in my own little 
cave, mm -hmm. you know, or lab, laboratory. So I just went and sought hip hop out. Like I would listen to the college radio stations and get to hear some, some hip hop on either the weekends or Wednesday nights. And it was like, I would go and get friends who would give me New York tapes and um, eventually NWA tapes and West yeah. Coast tapes. So I got influenced through that and then developed my own style of music. Mm -hmm. So know. were you doing like freestyling and stuff like that? Yeah, that's what, you know, that was one of the main things. That's why I continue to be able to freestyle because I used to freestyle back then, you know, and what we know as freestyling is improvisation you know, improvisation or rhyming. What were the kind of things you were listening to as a kid? What were, what, you know, obviously you were listening to hip-hop records. They were speaking yeah. to you. You know, what other kinds of stuff were you listening to as a kid growing up that sort of developed the kind of sounds that you're making now? Because you have a very soulful base to your records. Um, yeah. People can connect what you're doing now to the kind of stuff that they were hearing in the 60s and 70s. I used to listen to Curtis Mayfield. I listened to the Brothers Johnson. Like, I love that Strawberry 23. Right. That was the oh, hall. That that just brings back memories. <laughs> that little synth there, yeah. yeah. Okay, there we go. It just brings back some memories. And um, Stevie Wonder, um, I love him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I loved uh, Marvin Gaye, and the Jackson Five. A lot of soul artists like that. Earth, Wind, and Fire was mm -hmm. definitely like an influence. Now, were you buying these records, or were you, was your mom buying them, or what, where were you getting these records from, or hearing them on the radio, or how 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 did it go? It would come from like a lot of times. I remember early from my babysitter. Two of my babysitters always, you know, used to listen to a lot of music. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, uh, I don't think my mother listened to a lot of music. She ain't never like really just be playing records for me. I would go get them because I heard them and I liked them. Like I remember buying like Stevie Wonder's Hotter Than July album and playing that Happy Birthday song that he did for Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Playing that over and over, you know. So it was like I would go out and get the records mostly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see a distinction between that stuff and the hip hop stuff, the rap stuff? I mean, was there like a, or did you see it as all as one big sort of tradition coming out of the same kind of tradition? No, I think I think I saw a little distinction because, and that's kind of what attracted me to hip hop because hip hop was kind of revolutionary at the time, and it was like, it was going against the grain of what was like, because at at that time it was like, for young kids it was like the new edition, and you know the kind of yeah. like little pop new kids on the block or well, before that it was menudo type you know and and that, that wasn't stuff i was really relating to i was relating to new edition but um it was like hip-hop had his own little like sect and i was like man i like that you know it was like it was re it was representing some revolutionary stuff and it was done in a masculine way and I thought we have good. to mention uh i think while you're on the word revolutionary about the cover art. It's mm -hmm. called Like Water for Chocolate, yeah. and you're, of course, referring to the novel and the film, and it's this striking photograph of an African-American woman looking like she might have just come from church on a Sunday morning, right. all dressed up, drinking from a coloreds-only water fountain uh, in front of a hot dog stand, very much in line with the Roots album. You know, that came out with these four different covers, all really striking black and white photos, uh, yeah. the girl running from the police during the Nork riots, I think it was. You're saying right bold up front. This is th I'm I'm talking about politics and community here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was one of and the connecting it back connect and history. history. Yeah, because this is what from the '50s. This photo or '60s. Yeah, like I, yeah, it seems like it's a Gordon Parks photo. It seems like it's from the early '60s, maybe. And um, I definitely was saying being in tune with the history and knowing where we come from. I was trying to make people aware of that. And also, I felt it was the subliminal meaning was like. Yo, she drinking from a, a 
colored only water fountain. She drinking water for yeah. chocolate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I, well, another you know, reason why I put it. As critics, Greg and I have been harsh on a lot of the state of hip-hop and R&B because it seems to me that they lost the thread of the history for the last 10 years or so. Yeah. And and much as Nirvana came up and said, we remember the Sex Pistols, we remember Black Sabbath, we're going to reconnect to these roots, right. you know, and, and rock and roll. It seems like that's what this movement that you keep talking about is actually doing yeah. and saying, wait a minute, you know, they, they've kind of gotten ahistorical here. Yeah. You know, I don't know where mm -hmm. Master P came from, right. but he thinks everything was born yesterday, <laughs> and right. I don't. Well, y'all ain't got no love for Master P, do you? I'll put DMX in that I, same I thought boat. Master P was kind of interesting the first record, but he made the same record seven times already, right, and right. so does everybody else on his label. And you kind of realize, for these guys, it's no longer about... At one time, that was a distinctive sound. That New Orleans thing had sort of a distinctive thing to it. But now, every artist on the label is making the same record, and you realize it's a formula for making money. Yeah. I think you the know? Biggie stuff is in the same tradition, and I think that the Tupac uh, legacy... I mean, oh, like, my God. There you go. You hit it on the spot. It's like, if Tupac was alive, man, a lot of these cats would not be able to come in saying, I'm a thug. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Not that that's something that should be glorified, but right. Tupac was the one that was coming saying that. Now everybody took his style, his whole demeanor, and I went in off of it. And I, you know, me personally, I don't listen to too much of that. Yeah. I might hear it on the radio in passing, hear it at a club. But I don't listen to that stuff, you know, point blank. Do your thing, but that's not me, and I ain't really enjoying that music. And the know? hollowness of it when he's putting out as many albums now that he's dead as he did when he was alive. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's no way he's going to be endorsing half-finished tracks coming out. But that, it's the same thing they did to Hendrix, you know. Right. That, that is the oldest story yeah. in, in popular music and, and in corporations exploiting uh, a, a catalog like that. To everybody out there, this, is, this song is called The Light. Off the like water for chocolate album. We're getting into it right here on Sound Opinion. Yeah. I never knew a la, 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 a la like this. Gotta be something for me to write this. Queen, I ain't seen you in a minute. Wrote this letter and finally decided to send it. Signed, sealed, delivered for us to grow together. Love has no limit. Let's spin a slow forever. I know your heart is weathered by what studs did to you. I ain't gonna saw them because I probably did it too. Because of you feelings I handle with care. Some recognize your life, but they can't handle the glare. You know I ain't the type to walk around with matching shirts. A relationship is effort. I will match your work. I want to be the one to make you happiest and hurt you the most. They say the end is near. It's important that we're close to the most. When we return, we break down some of our favorite tracks off Like Water for Chocolate. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions. Yeah. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim Deergatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And I think between us, Greg, we have uh, about 50 years of experience covering Common. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this week, we're doing a deep dive on one of our favorite hip-hop records ever, Common's Like Water for Chocolate. Absolutely true, Jim. And uh, we want to talk through some of our favorite tracks on the album. Jim, why don't you start us off? The Sixth Sense is an amazing song. It's the only song on Like Water for Chocolate that's produced uh, not by a member of the Soulquarians, but by DJ Premier from Gangstar. You know, it, it samples The Intruders, and it samples Mob Deep, a fascinating song uh, giving us a young neo-soul artist at the time, Bilal, mm -hmm. singing the chorus. And this is where Poor Common uh, gets the rap of being preachy sometimes. But, you know, I don't, I don't see it that way. He is talking to the unemployed 
sometime drug dealing, up to no good, guys hanging on the street corner, as he says, with the cigarette behind their ear. Mm. And he says they want to be in the rat race, but they uh, they can't even make one lap. Mm. Uh, and he's saying, look, I'd be lying if I didn't say I want to make millions, but more important to me is our children. And, you know... I don't think it's saying you're living wrong, you got to live better, mm. so much as it's saying think bigger, brothers, right? And Bilal comes in uh, with these wordless choruses. Oh, yes, you know. You know, right? And it's not saying anything, but it says everything in the way that even if you don't speak English, you hear a great gospel song mm -hmm. and you begin to realize possibilities for other ways to live your life. Don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea here was about con conceiving of something better uh, than yeah. what we have. I think the whole idea of the record, the object of the record was that. Let's hear a little in Sixth Sense. that is a taste of the sixth sense by common from Like Water for Chocolate. Uh, Greg, I think I know where you want to go next. Well, Jim, you know, this record, the, the, the idea of the collective, you know, yep. the old idea that we are, not, we are agnostic when it comes to genre. You know, whether it's jazz, it's R&B, it's rock, it's soul, it's all welcome here. We want, to, we want all of that flavor. We want to get Afrobeat in here. A lot of Afrobeat. Okay. You know, shout out to Fela. Uh, Femi yeah. Kuti is Femi on Kuti this record. On the record. I mean, it's uh, you know Roy Hargrove from the jazz world, yeah. Mos Def, uh, you know D'Angelo himself yeah. uh, on this record, CeeLo Green, uh, and and of course Slum Village. And why do I reference Slum Village? Every time we've talked Common, you could not escape the name Jay Dilla. He right. was he and Jay were were like kindred spirits. You know, uh, we we talked with Dan Charnas about this great mm -hmm. book that he's written about Jay Dilla, who still probably hasn't gotten all the props he deserves because he's totally reinvented the game. He's, yeah. he's such an inspiration behind what happened with the voodoo sessions, and he was equally important on Common's records around this period of time. Um, Common wanted to do a track with Slum Village, which was Jay Dilla's group at the mm. time. And uh, Jay Dilla and James Poyser had worked out a track that you know, hey, Common said, let's let's get Slum Village on that track. Yeah. And Dilla does his usual thing of just shutting up. Yeah. Which kind of <laughs> meant not interested. You yeah, know, he, I mean, I wrote that track, but I don't I don't see yeah, us on that yeah, track. Yeah, right. He comes back in the studio the next day and comes up with a track that he just made up, put together that night. Yeah. Called Thelonious. And he goes, no, this this is what we're going to. This is the one. This yeah. is the one we're going to work on. So. Thelonious kind of gets at the spirit of the record. All four MCs on the record, you know, Common plus the three guys from mm -hmm. Slum Village are all trading off verses on this record. The fact that it was sort of cooked up all overnight's classic Jay Dilla, those kind of, you know, kind of a moody track, those off-balance beats, you know, where is the one? You know, yeah. it's kind of yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. going to be, be all over the place. 
And these guys were all dexterous enough where they could come up with, you know, a rhymes and lines that were worked with those, the, those rhythms. It was inspiring to them. Uh, so they had a great day in the studio where they just kept firing out these, these lines at each other. And I think the spirit of the record in some ways is embodied by this track. Here's a little bit of Thelonious from Like Water for Chocolate on Sound Opinions. You know, most of grown. It's the Thelonious Super Microphonus. You know what's this rap about to own it. You know it, cause you can feel it in your throat. Say it. I'm about to let my mind flow. Huh. Say it. Get your third eye poke. Game. I assemble dope. Ness. A ness. Fresh as the fast. Study this rap. No need to mic test. You can feel it in your chest. Thelonious. Man, you know, Greg, we could really talk about every one of these 16 tracks. As a line on the record says, uh, more juice than sun-kissed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. This album is rich with the goods. But I'm going to Common's uh, tribute to uh, Philadelphia. Ghetto Heaven remix, T-S-O-I. That is the sound of Illadelph. Mm. Um, you know, I think if you're not a, a, an East Coaster as I was, you got to realize... On a good day, without a lot of traffic, you know, uh, Philadelphia is like an hour mm-hmm. from from Manhattan. <laughs> you know, uh, they are sister cities in a way, but it has a different vibe. You know, mm. I mean, it, it, even just the way the city's laid out, it's still based on horse paths that uh, go back to when they were writing the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> there, you know, it is uh, it it is uh, an historic city. It is a wonderful city. It is a city of many different cultures living together the city of brotherly love Mm -hmm. so uh this song starts out uh and actually uh winds up as ghetto heaven by d'angelo on voodoo Mm -hmm. right it's one of those songs faith Pennock was telling us the story when we had her on the show episode 778 about the making of of uh of uh d'angelo's voodoo you know sometimes they'd wrestle a little uh the whole soul quarians crew about that track was slamming I want it. No, I want it. No, I want it, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, Ghetto Heaven winds up on on Voodoo, but uh, Ghetto Heaven remix, The Sound of Illadelph, winds up on Commons uh, record. And we have the great Macy Gray. Mm-hmm. God, I've always loved Macy Gray. I vaguely remember you giving me some guff for loving Macy Gray because, you know, look, her voice is an acquired taste, right? Betty Boop a little bit. Um, But it it underscores Common's love of women. Uh, You know, he he, the the, the third verse, man, the music is so much bigger than me. As far as happy, it's like a trigger to me. Dealing with crap rappers, groupie broads, record execs, at times it do be hard to choose words, be heard across waters, doing something you like to support. Daughters, Mm. right? I, I cannot overemphasize the, the, love and respect uh for his daughter i remember i've seen her grown up every time i've seen common Mm -hmm. it's he's back in chicago to visit his daughter right you know um his love of women his respect for women but not necessarily always preachy there's a little skit on this album where a woman comes up and says you i love you so much because of of your your enlightened take on women right Hmm. can i get your autograph and then somebody else interrupts him and he goes off on this woman as the b-word how come you're not out 
making money via sex work. <laughs> you know, he is laughing at him, himself, right? right? And even daring to suggest that he is a hypocrite. But, uh, you know, this is, this is an amazing song. Ghetto Heaven Remix, T-S-O-I, from Like Water for Chocolate. I walk through the valley with a life preserver Feeling at times that I might just murder Yo, that ain't what I was sent for I want folks to say his life and meant more Than any car, any rock, or any broad He found ghetto heaven in himself and God Found ghetto heaven in himself and God Found ghetto heaven in himself and God Ghetto Heaven. Uh, I, I love the Macy Gray verses. Uh, again, not necessarily saying much of anything. Need a little Ghetto Heaven. Yeah, and Macy's kind of maybe lost the plot lately, but uh, she was great on this track. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in a similar vein, uh, the track, a film called Pimp, uh, yeah. is, is, is in that vein. And again, you, you talk about Common is able to go from the personal to role-playing, playing characters, and he plays one here. In this particular track, and again, it brings on he brings on the great MC Light. Yeah, this in some ways to me is a sequel to "I Used to Love Her," where he's mm-hmm. talking about you know, hey, rap's lost its way. Uh, similar themes here, uh, in the context of of okay, I'm going to imagine this scenario of like a black exploitation film. Yeah, from the '70s with a, with an appropriate soundtrack. Shaft. So, so we're going to take some of those '70s films that I that my parents would would have watched. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, the, the shafts of the world, you know, uh, Superfly, super um, you know, across 110th Street, uh, and 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 giving it this vibe of the street hustler trying to recruit MC Light, but she ain't having it. You oh know? no, oh she's no. giving it back to him uh, twice as bad as he's giving it to her. So she's representing hip hop, and she's putting the the pimp in his place. I'm not going to buy into what you're trying to sell me. You know, mm-hmm. you're just a hustler. Uh, so in a sense, uh, as I said, sort of like the, the, the response to I Used to Love Her with this particular track. But uh, again, an example of the storytelling that Common is capable of, of, of creating. Uh, but, and at the same time, bringing in a ra- uh, an artist, an MC that, he, that he's loved, MC Light. Here's the two of them on a film called Pimp. From like Waterford Chocolate. I pimp without a pause for the cause. I'm a rebel. You've been on the streets. I'm trying to take you to another level. Used to the same game. Cats saying the same thing. You go ground. Mainstream. You must not know of me. I'm the Mac here. I'm going to have you hope for me. Pimp your pocket. Have you write me poetry. I'm from a lane called Cash. You too slow for me. You know why? That is a film called Pimp. Uh, one of the tracks from like Waterford chocolate uh we as you said jim we could probably play uh you know all of the you know bounty of tracks on this record to give an example of how what an incredible achievement this was it's interesting when we talk about the legacy of this record that common followed it up with electric circus which went in many ways even further than this record in terms of its experimental vibe. I love that record. Nobody nobody loves that record. PM no, Dawn. No, we, we both well, gave we it both great reviews. And I think part of the reason was that it was so far afield from what hip-hop was supposed to sound like. 
that not many people, uh, you know, who are hip-hop heads loved it. It's a psychedelic rock record. I remember him telling me he grew up, you couldn't escape the loop, the classic rock (laughs) station, if you lived anywhere near Chicago. So he falls in love with Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. He says, I'm going to try to do that. (laughs) And, you know, he used the Soul Aquarians. The the Soul Aquarians were a big part of the record. In in many ways, it was a quintessential Soul Aquarian-era record. Yeah. But it sold half as much as yeah, no, like Water for Chocolate. Nobody liked it. No hip hop heads but, liked it. But you know the point being that I think a lot of artists paid attention to that record, mm-hmm. you know, and said, okay, what he's done on like Water for Chocolate, what he's done on Electric Circus, I can ta- I can I can use this. When you think about the young Kanye West, oh yeah, who was mentored by yeah. No ID and to a degree Common when yeah. they were making records in the '90s. You know, when you look at those first four or five Kanye records, the college dropout, late registration, graduation, yeah. 808s and Heartbreak, incredibly experimental, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, mm-hmm. they're coming right out of this tradition of that of that record. If this is your first time hearing this, you are about to experience something so cold. We never had nothing handed, took nothing for granted, took nothing from no man. Man, I'm my own man. But as a shorty, I looked up to the dope man. Only a dope man. I knew that wasn't broke, man. Flick and start a coach, man. Man, you don't know, man. We don't care what people say. Five of the best hip-hop records of the 2000s by Kanye, directly influenced by what Common and the Soulquarians were doing during the Like Water for Chocolate era. You know, when you think about artists like Lupe Fiasco, when you think about the whole Chicago crew of Jamila Woods, Chance the Rapper, Rhymefest, Vic Mensa, No Name, Mick Jenkins, Rick Wilson, all children of, of the Soulquarians era in, in the way they approach their music. When I think of Kendrick Lamar. If I was the prince of You know, to pimp a butterfly. Can you imagine to pimp a butterfly without D'Angelo's voodoo or like Water for Chocolate by Common? And as we've said many times, you know, uh, there's no Drake without Kanye's 808s and Heartbreak. There's no 808s and Heartbreak and the experimentation of of Kanye at his best without Common. Um, You know, is there a Chicago sound? Yes, I believe there is. Uh, to some extent, uh, going back to Dusty's, uh, you know, I mean, Common says the revolution won't be televised. The revolution is here mm-hmm. at one point, shouting back to Last Poets and Gil Scott Heron. Right. That love of those records that your parents bought and forgot and right. you rediscovered, Dusty Soul. That's part of it. But also the ethos. All those Chicago artists you just mentioned um, are, to various extents, positive, uh, feminist, educators, right? There, there mm. is an idea here. We will not tear down the black community. We may tell stories about the realities of the street. Certainly Chance the Rapper has. Mm. Certainly, you know, Rhymefest has. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanye to some extent. Uh, Common always has as well, but there is an uplift to the music that says, we're a community. Right. And we demand respect and we respect ourselves. And also a reflection of that community saying we are more than one thing. We yes. Are more yes. than how we are portrayed in the mass media. We are this broad 
uh, multi you know, community yeah. uh, that is far more uh, interesting and far more uh, in-depth than, than what we are portrayed as. I think of a story like, uh, you know, Payback is a grandmother, mm-hmm. right? Some thugs rob Common's grandmother, and he's going to go, and he kills them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know. I mean, that is as tough as any gangster rap uh, fi- fantasy of violence, but there are also laughs along the way, and kind of the conclusion is the song is, I probably didn't have to do that because Grandma could have taken care of them better. <laughs> yeah, right. Greg, we, we didn't mention the title, and it's so obvious and such an important part of this record, like Water for Chocolate. Brilliant mm-hmm. 1989 Laura Esquivel novel, right? Uh, set in Mexico, made into a movie in 92. What does it mean, like Water for Chocolate? In many Latin American countries, hot chocolate is made with water rather than milk, right? Mm-hmm. It's the love of the mother or the grandmother making uh, hot chocolate uh, for their kid. And at the time, uh, not to either of us, but but Common said, uh, I felt like I was doing the same thing. Instead of making hot chocolate, I was, quote, putting all my heart, my mind, and my rawness into these tracks so that I hope people can feel that when they listen to the album. Like a great Mexican meal, uh, you know, the love comes out in every bite. <laughs> and, and that's how I feel about this album. That wraps up our discussion of Commons Like Water for Chocolate, and now we want to hear from you, our listeners. Do you remember when this album came out, and how does it hold up today? Do you hear its influences in any new artists? Leave us a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. Mr. Cott, what do we got on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we want to talk to uh, Marissa Moss, uh, who wrote a great book about women in country music, Her Country. Uh, it takes a deep dive into what's going on right now with women in country music and whether they're getting the props and the commercial success they deserve. And don't forget to check out our bonus podcast feed. Absolutely. Always tons of good stuff. And that chat with Marissa was just fire, as the kids say. <laughs> For more sound opinions, listen to our podcast wherever you find such things. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. And speaking of sponsors, every week our show reaches hundreds of thousands of curious listeners from around the globe via podcast and on 150 public radio stations nationwide. If you'd like to learn more on how your business or organization can also reach this engaged and educated audience, you can email sponsor at soundopinions.org. That's sponsor at soundopinions.org. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our new Columbia College intern, Lauren Holt. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott. Tell me what was I supposed to do?